So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this Tuesday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and off over yonder is my dear friend, Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I'm great, Rick. How are you doing? I'm just doing awesome. Wonderful. Fantastic. Awesome's good. Awesome's good. I like awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We like awesome. Big hello to our guest and and to Janet in the uh, chat room. Yes, to our listeners. <sighs> yes, we're to glad everybody to be at back Blog after, Talk Land. after uh, last Thursday's debacle. We were informed on Friday that it, <laughs> by the chairman of Blog Talk sent an email. Of course, it was a form letter, I think, but still, it was impressive um, that they were suffering a DDoS attack, which is a horrible thing for... Distributed denial of service, which just means a whole bunch of people, probably not even people, just bots, but a whole bunch of computers all tried to get on Blog Talk at the same time. Blog Talk didn't have enough room for everybody. Wow. It's one of the most often used when, like, you know, you're suddenly you can't get on your bank. You know, they say we're going to take down the bank. They don't really actually take down the website. They just make it so nobody else can get to it. Right. They're the same difference, really. Yeah, they have so many different ways of doing it, too. I mean, they could just redirect it um, if they're good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had, that happen to, I've had that happen to my websites before where it got completely redirected to um, to another site that had nothing to do with <laughs> my books or any of the other stuff that I do. And um, I've heard of other people who've had that happen to you as well. And, they of course, they could just... Uh, Nestor Speaks and, and put in a whole separate theme and everything. And, and, and of course, it wouldn't work if you just went to NestorSpeaks.com. But if they gave you the exact address to one of those pages, it just popped right up. And so there was a whole shadow website underneath my website. <laughs> Fortunately, I have watchers. Watchers. Watchers who watch that. Watchers. Who's watching your watchers? They email you and say, your stuff's stuff's messed up. And you go, yeah, okay. But it's the unmessing that I was more interested in. And that's great. But, I mean, even if Blog Talk has, there's such a massive network, right? So, I mean, even if they have early warning signs, there's so much stuff for them to fix. Oh, and, and... 
such huge bandwidth, be, really. Yeah. 40,000 yeah. shows a week, I think it is. You know, somewhere north of 40,000 shows a week. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's a lot of talk. Uh, that is. That's a lot of people out there doing their stuff and following their passion. Right. How cool is that? Yeah, the guy that started it was like, there needs to be the, where's the, how do I get on the, and he thought, well, I'm probably not the only one. And look, here we are just a few years later, and there's 40,000 of us. And Actually, that's I only one. 25,000 of those shows are inner child shows. The, 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 the rest. Because <laughs> they're on like every day, and twice a day. And, but just think, that's only one format, too. That's only one vehicle, because there's a lot of other streaming vehicles out there, both for video streaming and for audio live streaming. So, okay. I mean, that's 40000 for one. One platform wow. in a week. And... um well, I think it was YouTube has has reached the point now where they get about forty eight hours of video every minute uh, uploaded to their servers. And uh, uh, but I know I still complain, you know, when it's prime time Friday night and their website's being a little slow. I'm like, come on, man, what are you people kidding me? Of course, <laughs> you know, they're receiving forty eight hours every minute, as well as trying to feed us videos to watch. It's they're busy on Friday nights. But I yeah. And it, again, like that's what says so much about this generation. Because of a lot of that is driven by the younger generation. And a lot of video streaming is driven by the younger generation as well. So that's a lot of young people out there creating stuff and doing stuff and Saying stuff, their stuff, their yeah. truth, and communicating, and not and, just sitting in the corner and going to detention hall like good little kids used to. Yeah, supposed I, to be doing. Yeah, I mean, really, think about think about back to when I was a teenager. I mean, our really our only vehicle for expressing ourselves was hanging out with our friends, and if you were lucky enough to play an instrument or to paint. You could you could perhaps do it that way or write poetry, but unless you could get it published or get picked up or you happen to play in pubs or bars or at you know local venues, you weren't really getting heard and you weren't getting seen and your message certainly wasn't being acknowledged on on any mass scale level. No, and these kids so now. Just put up a YouTube video, and they'll think they're just putting up a video, and they don't even think about it. They're just like, you know, people, you're so open, and you're, yeah, I didn't think anybody was going to be watching it. And then, you know, they wake up the next morning, and there's a million views. Um, or or the fellow from Israel that decided to put the little uh, graphic up about, you know, picture of him and his daughter, you know, dear Iran, we don't want to bomb you, we don't even know you. And you know, but he went to bed and he woke up and he was the most—he was the hottest thing on the internet. How do you know? Who knew? Well, it's—it's it's, it's a totally different dynamic, I guess. Really, if you think about it, um, 
it's it's um I I I don't even know how to describe it anymore. I mean, some of the stuff that they're expressing is so potent and powerful. I mean, I, I don't want to dwell too much on the video that you sent me today because I don't want to get there again. But if anybody wants to see it, it's on both Rick and I's walls on Facebook. And I it just made me weep for the sense of power that these young people have using this technology and the message that they're putting out. Um, it's just, you know... A deep sense of gratitude, I think, is what it was. I was just weeping with gratitude, like, thank you for, thank you, universe, for allowing this truth to come to the surface. Um, And it's, you know, and it's coming from the people that it's affecting. Right. And, And having that outlet, you know, how many... How many folks in the past were driven to the point of either desperation to do violence to themselves or others because they had no outlet? And now they've got an outlet and they get some comments of, oh, dude, this is like you're telling the story of my life. And you realize real quick that you're not alone. Maybe you are the only whatever in your little small town, but you're not the only one, period. No, because there's thousands of others in little small towns all over the world that are thinking the same thing. And, and until recently they weren't able to connect because it's very hard to be that black sheep in the family. And and that goes for society as well. I mean, or being the black sheep. These days, I is, suppose it's the bright lime green sheep or the purple sheep or. <laughs> yeah, totally. Incandescent rainbow sheep. <laughs> yes. Yes, those are the ones. Yes. We <laughs> are not sheeple anymore. We're incandescent rainbows. Um and it, yes, it, we it's are. Just, it's it's brilliance, really. And it it just again, it's that massive feeling of gratitude that I have to where technology has taken us with our ability to communicate. And uh it's just constantly expanding and growing and getting more exciting and um you know, I, I don't know what's going to come along to top that video that we saw today, but um, and if you if you have it, you can throw it in the chat room for the link ah, so that other yes. other people may weep with gratitude as well. And perhaps we might even tag it on the end of this show tonight, just because it's so worth watching. And this young man is so brilliant. And I I really don't know what can come along to top it, but I'm absolutely positive that something will, and it'll be from some young person somewhere in the world. Because yeah, it almost always is. <laughs> it's almost certain that somebody will come along with something that will go one step further uh, or one step better for, you know, certain other, uh, you know, some different message that needs to get out. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is a fellow that apparently um, he's a spoken word artist, <clears throat> which uh, uh, any of our friends that have uh, visited with our family over at Inner Child, will be familiar with spoken word, um, and uh, was apparently a little perturbed about you know being told by parents and everybody else that's old 
that, you know, you got to go to school and you got to learn. you got to get a good grade. you got to get a good education. So you've got a job. And, you know, so I turned to my mom and I said, why? And she just looked at you with this vac- with this vacant look. And, and then it just goes on from there. And it actually is, it's a very empowering uh, message. It, yeah. That beginning, I suppose, makes it sound like it might be a complaint thing, but it's not. It's a, it's, it's beyond just the I'm going to complain about this. Although there's plenty of videos about that, and everybody needs to vent sometimes. Um, is because there's this place that you can vent and and air your grievances, so to speak. You get to think beyond that, and and actually come up with something profound like this video. Um, and uh, he's got some other profound ones too. Uh, uh, and uh, of course, I haven't watched everything he's done. Uh, they may not all be of the same level of profundity, but uh, but he does have another video entitled "Why I Hate School but Love Education." Uh, so much along the same lines, I suppose. Yeah, and again, it's it's so I don't again it it is empowering. And um, it's something that our youth should listen to. I put it on my daughter's wall. And it's kind of my way of saying to my daughter, go be you and do what you do. And I got your back. You know? So um, um, I, I think every parent in the world should see this thing. And I think every child in the world should see this thing. And I think that they should run with how it makes them feel. Yes, yes. Uh, okay. So, um, for those of you patiently waiting for um, our guest tonight, we just got word from her on email, and we're going to try and give her a call. And um, so we're going to play a quick song to allow yep. us to get hold of her and touch with her. And uh, then we'll be back. So we'll... Uh, it'll be exciting. Yeah. Because we'll she's do, awesome. Uh, what are we going to do? We should ah, play something. Anything. Absolutely. Um, so let's do it. You know what would be... Where's that... Miriam Shamash. By... Who? Um, not, not the Earth Prayer song, but the other one that's your favorite. The I other... I can't remember the... Peace Prayer instead of Earth Prayer. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, okay. Prayer. Let's play a little priest pair. Uh, I think it's appropriate given tonight's link. guest. Sure. So uh, this is uh, uh, Larissa Stowe and the Shakti tribe with uh, peace prayer, and um, we'll uh, go off and see if we can't find Betty, and we'll be right back. Hey, Bill. Absolutely. Well, we'll be right back. Stay with us, folks.
That was our friend Larissa Stowe with uh, Peace Prayer, uh, which uh, seemed fitting about love and peace and things with uh, tonight's guest. We're thrilled to have with us uh, tonight Betty Johnson 
and she is the author of Secrets of the Magdalene Scrolls, and and she's here. Welcome, Betty. How are you? I am just doing fantastic, and I'm delighted to be here online talking to you. We're thrilled to have you. Thanks for uh, giving us your time this evening. Yeah, I'm kind of like a kid in a candy store, or maybe a teenager at a concert looking up in awe. (laughs) (laughs) And and it very rarely, um, I I very rarely go into that state on this show because it's, but you write about something I'm very passionate about, so I'm so honored to have you here. And it's just hearing about your journey firsthand is going to be super yummy. Uh, everybody who's I've mentioned your name to is just said, "Oh, I love her." So um, you, you have um, you have a lot of family and friends out there. Lots of people know who you are for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, well, and that brings us to our, our one and only question for the evening. And, well, the first question of the evening. I'm sure there will be many more bouncing off of your answer. Um, uh-huh. And that's, who on earth are you and what do you do? Now, repeat that question again. Who on earth are you and what do you do? I'm an author. I'm 83 years old. And I love to write. I don't know if that answers your question or not. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not it's, 83 it's short... years old. I'm 83 years young. <laughs> 83 years young. Yes, you, your voice, you never know um, from your voice um, mm. that you're 83 years young. Certainly not. Um, now, I'm curious because this is, a subject that people get led to. You don't just wake up one day and decide to write about Magdalene. She calls you. And um, so I'm curious how that all started for you. How did the journey begin? Uh, Let's see. The journey began is that I went to... I had been very interested in the Knights Templar and the Black Madonnas and I think it was in 20 um, uh, well anyway I went to Europe and I got to go into the um, uh, cathedral in Chartres and I noticed the black madonnas in there and noticed all of the symbols in the like the rose window and I was in awe they also had a labyrinth in there on the floor that people would walk on and the whole thing was just absolutely fascinating and then a friend and I had rented a car and we we went down through um, uh, the Pyrenees and we had a marvelous time there going into different cathedrals and seeing so many were dedicated to Mary Magdalene. And I knew when I came back I had to write a book. I just knew it. And um, I have been in the uh, Rantha School of Enlightenment for the past uh, 25 years. And um, 
he would mention her periodically. And I, what I did is I made notes of what he said. And there were about seven things. And so I took these and began researching because I was so interested in this. I mean, it was something that really went to my heart. And uh, he said she was black. She had one green eye, one blue eye. She had red hair. She was from Ethiopia. Uh, She was an initiate. She uh, married Jesus, and they had two children. And that's when I took it off. And so I began doing my research. And I found that... um, in Ethiopia, there was a, uh, a little. Uh, there had been a town on the trade route from the uh, Far East into uh, Africa, and it was called Magdalen. Well, of course, they had they claim that there's a Magdalen in uh, Palestine, but that I also learned came after Jesus was crucified. Of course, that's been changed back since I found that bit. So I have sort of had to go back and forth, but I I was using my knowingness. And I was figuring out if she was an initiate, then they had different um, places up the Nile to where they were uh, these advanced schools of wisdom. And that's where I placed her in that because... uh, I was just going with my knowingness, really. I had what I felt like were the clues. And it was up to me to find out within me what else I could find. And uh, that's when I wrote Secrets of the Magdalene Scrolls. But I also knew that I had to uh, have present-day time to make it uh, what I felt like more exciting. And one day when I sat down at the computer, I thought, okay, how am I going to start this? And I thought, well, the Pyrenees. I'll just start in the Pyrenees. And then the next thing I knew, the characters began coming to me in my mind. And I sat down and I just started writing. I did very little editing. I had (laughs) someone edit it for me. But I just, it just seemed to flow. Everything just when, and about the, the French priest who was um, uh, sick and he was uh, disappointed in being a priest and all, and how he came to life. And I had to, well, I didn't have to, but I chose to put romance in it because that made it even more exciting. And um, so, and of course, I had excitement there because I felt that the... Um, Authorities, like they have done with so many of the uh, documents and scrolls found, they hold it for so many years, and then before they will show it sometimes, or they'll just hold on to it. And frankly, I didn't want the French government to take these scrolls and just hide them away. So that's why they began uh, going through them and having different things to do, you know, excitement. And, of 
course, there was the romance and all, but it, um, it was a book that just seemed to come out of me, and I felt like it was right. And then I did the second book, which is called Mary Magdalene, Her Legacy, and uh, the daughter of Mary Magdalene and Jesus, her name was Sarah. And there's almost nothing about Sarah. Many people think that when Mary Magdalene hit um, Marseille, that uh, a black uh, maid came with her. I don't think, I don't believe that at all, not at all, because I have tried to research as much as I can. So then I went inside into focus and decided, okay, now what's the next step? And all of that just started flowing through me. And that's all I can say. It was just coming from my inner self. And I did a lot of research on that, too. And that came out, and both books are now uh, Independent Publishers Book Award winners. So that is how that has been. And now I am um, writing, writing another book. In fact, it's all completed, and I'm waiting for it to be formatted. And hopefully it will be coming out in May sometime. And that's Magdalena of High Brazil. Are you there? Oh, yes. You have me intrigued. <laughs> but I was using my knowingness. And um, I just love the idea of Mary Magdalene and that she was a great initiate and um, that she was the wife of Jesus. And one of the things I, I I'm a great researcher, and so many of our... Christian researchers, they use the same stuff, I'm going to say, um, over and over again. Same same information? Same warmed over information? Yeah, I, that's what I say. So I began looking at some of the Egyptian history, and I found a lot of information in that, and that makes more sense. In a way, so um, in fact, I even wrote a little book last year and published it called "What the Blank Do We Know About the Bible?" <laughs> I'd love to read that. <laughs> well, it's on Amazon, <laughs> but I, I, I can send you a copy. Okay. I would uh, love to get my hands on that. Um, okay, one of the, I, one of the things we talk about here so often is that when we think of the Bible in today's context, we have to remember that not only has it been translated repeatedly, um, but that we also don't really know that much about life 2,000 years ago. So it's, it's very difficult to put the stories that are told there in context of today's living and life and reality. Um, and, you know, to to live by a 2,000-year-old book without that understanding is, to me, a very scary prospect because if you don't understand the source and the root of the teachings in the Bible and the actual meanings of them, 
then how can you actually live by them? You know, that is true now. Um, it was in 1980, and I was living in California, and I was divorced from my children's uh, father. And um, I, mean, um, I was inspired to go to a divine science church, and from there I went to a ministerial school there in California and met the next man who became my husband, and he was my magic one. But I went there, and then I became, I was um, ordained and became a divine science minister and learned a lot about that. But what I learned also through all of this information is that if people would just go to the book of Matthew, and I think it's chapter 5, and it's the Sermon on the Mount, it says it all. If people would just look, read those those paragraphs, <laughs> that was the message of Jesus. <laughs> I couldn't and, agree more. I mean, it's it's not a complicated message. It's love thy God and love thy fellow man, and that's pretty much it. You know, <laughs> it doesn't get more simpler than that, and it is all contained in the Sermon on the Mount. It is. It, it's right there. It's so simple. But then... You know, when it said uh, to forgive, to forgive, and so many people don't know about forgiving, and I feel sad for them because, well, I even had problems with my own deceased father, and uh, it took me a long time to forgive him, but I did. And um, then uh, about 10 years ago, I had an out-of-body experience, and I, I went into the next dimension, and there he was, a younger man. Now, he died in 1967. And he asked me for my forgiveness. And I thought, I've forgiven him. And we embraced. And all of a sudden, I was back in my body. And I said, what was that all about? And then the following week, I read uh, Robert Monroe's book, Far Journeys. And he does. he was doing out-of-body traveling quite often. And he discovered that there was a hospital in the next dimension for wounded souls. And so there it was. My father was there, and he finally realized he wanted my forgiveness. So it was for him I was there, not for me, because I had already forgiven him. So there's so many things in our spiritual journey and our spiritual development that I find it's it's an exciting journey. And to forgive is one of the greatest things we can do. No, and it, it's not it's not just enough to forgive other people. We have to learn first and foremost to forgive ourselves. That's because it. it's it's you can't forgive anybody until you can forgive yourself, your own imperfections. And then once you can honestly Look in the mirror and say to yourself, I love me as I am. All my all my dark, all my light, all my complexities, I love me. Then you can't possibly look at the rest of the world with judgment. Because how can you say that the things that I have done are acceptable and then tell you that what you've done is not? 
Well, that's very true because yes, I have forgiven myself too, and and uh, I've had some hard lessons. Um, one was at one point in my life jealousy, and that was a challenge to overcome, and I did. And uh, <clears throat> there have been other things, you know, and to judge others. I mean, that's been another one I have worked on. I mean, this is part of our journey, I think, to to work on ourselves and to forgive other people and, and not to make judgments. And uh, I grew up in a home of uh, bigotry, and it took me many years to overcome that. And that's why I was forgiving my father because of his bigotry and the way he had treated me. And so I felt very complete that I could move away from harboring any um, things about him. I felt that, and that's why I felt very blessed that that he had come to me to ask forgiveness because it was for him because I'd already done my it for me. But no, I agree with you. We have to take a, uh, a look at ourselves. And in fact, I do this all the time. I have to stop and think, okay, now they may be wrong, but I can't condemn them. Or <laughs> they're really irritating me. What is it about them that I'm, what am I seeing about, what is that telling me about me that they're irritating me? true that's true and right now we we have a world in chaos and i'm not choosing to um really uh play the ain't it awful game for what's going on in the world because somehow i know that the more people that use their spirituality and walk their own path of truth, we are the ones that are going to survive all of this. That is my that's my perspective. Well, and and I might I add that the people who keep that perspective and hold it close to their hearts are the ones who create the biggest change because when when we think about how choice and perception affect the world around us, you know, really think hard about choice and perception and knowing that we have a choice in how we perceive our world. You know, there's also an element to that where there's a knowing that your choice of how you perceive your world will also affect the world around you. So it's really important for people like you, people like, because that's what our show is all about, is is holding that view of the world is full of really incredibly inspiring, creative, beautiful spirits and souls. And hold on to that. Anytime you see dark, look for the light, because it's always there. If you see somebody suffering, look for the helpers. They're always there. And focus on them. Well, it, it is true, and I learned something from, um, uh, he's a ja- Japanese um, scientist, Dr. Emoto, and on the water. We love him. 
Yes. Oh, I do too. We love him. <laughs> that love frequency that he has put out into polluted water. And on YouTube, they have, uh, it's, it's 528 hertz, the love frequency. And I use it quite often when I feel like I'm a little disturbed and I turn that on and listen to the, the tone. And then I can send that out to the rest of the world. And that helps me from being judgmental. And uh, then, well, I'm something else that I do with that frequency is a few years ago I went to Washington, D.C., and I went to the Capitol there. And I learned so much from there about what uh, our forefathers had left us. And on top of the dome is a statue of female, and uh, her name is Freedom. And uh, in front of the Supreme Court here in the U.S., there's a, a sitting statue of a woman, and uh, her name is Justice. So we have many things in this country that people just take for granted. They don't realize how precious it is. So every morning I go to Freedom at the U.S. Capitol, and I put that frequency in there. And I know that that frequency can come down through the thing to the House of Representatives and the Senate. And that's what I'm doing every day. And who knows how long it will take, who knows what, but it's my contribution with love. That's awesome. It's it's a way to approach it with, you know, here's, here's here's love, here's what works for me without the judgment of the, you know, you're a bunch of idiots or any of that kind of stuff. Um, it's just awesome. Well, for me, it's unconditional love. You know, to just love uh, to love these people, these these people who are homeless and what they're doing. And it's like um, what Jesus uh, supposedly said when he was on the cross: "Forgive them, Father; they know not what they do." And for me, all I can do is just send them the unconditional love. And uh, and and it's like this way I don't have to condemn them. I don't have to judge them. And who knows? Don't have to fix them, correct them, jail them, corral them. That's so true. much you have to do once there's things wrong with people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, oh, a, it's, it's a mess. Been a long, yeah, it's been a long journey for me, believe me. <laughs> and I'm at a point now where I'm. I feel very contented in my life and with what I'm doing. And um, well, I'm, I'm very curious um, because. I, I don't write about it much in my book, but it, is, of course, is on the cover of my first book. And my whole journey 
into being an author and ultimately ending up on this radio show actually started with the Red Rose. And the black medallion, black Madonna medallion that I wear around my neck that was gifted to me from my grandmother. So in saying that, I know that a large part of my own personal growth, expansion, and healing, certainly the healing above all else, uh, really begins and ends with um, Mary Magdalene. And I'm curious how the things that you learned through your journey, because like I said, from everything I've I've researched, um, it, it, it seems to be a, the ultimate truth that she chooses who who she's going to bring her message forward through and she chooses carefully and and in the choosing there's a great deal of allowance there for healing and growth like I said so how how did the things that you learned through your own journey and your own discoveries of the Mary Magdalene truths um affect you personally It changed me uh, to be more um, willing to allow others to have their own ideas, their own um, perspective, and I didn't have to um, try to make it, try to do correction. Let me put the, put it that way. Uh, it was a very subtle way, and it was like when I was writing the book, it was like it was a part of me. It was almost as if I had been there, because it was easy to write those scrolls, very easy. And whether I was or I wasn't, I have no idea. I'm not going to say I was, but I'm just saying it was something that was coming into me, and that's why I wrote those scrolls. And um Jean would be familiar with that process. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's oftentimes when the pen that I use seems to be little more than a tool for somebody else's hand. Um so I, I understand exactly where you're coming from and yeah. She, she, the Magdalene energy is so magical. It really is. It is. And she becomes a not, you can't even say a way of life. She becomes almost the breath of life. Because you tap into that non-judgment and that sense of unity with all things. And And like you said, it's very subtle at first. And you find after, I mean, it, it took me about three years working um, and following the, that particular path, three or four years, and I kind of woke up one day and I, I almost didn't recognize who I'd become. I was eternally grateful for it, but it was such a smooth transition, seamless, like silk. Mm-hmm. It just, I slid into the being of who who... I had always desired to be. It's just, it flowed. And um, again, I say it, it, for me, it begins and ends with, with Magdalene. 
and I, I doubt that that will ever change for me. Um, and, and why, again, such an honor to have you on the show. Well, thank you. I'm enjoying this um, because I don't talk about this too often. You know, to um, I do to certain people, but I have to know when to do it and when not to do it. You know, of course, because because you know people do have their own ideas. But I also researched uh, the meaning of the rose, and um, that goes way back, too. And um, I've written an article on that, and um, uh, I don't know, it's just everything about her. I just, uh, in fact, on the second book, um, Mary Magdalene, Her Legacy, I saw this beautiful painting that someone from um, Mount uh, St. Hel. No, wait a minute. It was in Northern California. And uh, this artist, and it just struck what I wanted so much. And um, in fact, I have I bought the painting, and it's here in the living room. And my son used the painting. She's the Madonna. And um, she has a blue um, uh, scarf over her head and and a beautiful rose at her breast. And in the backdrop there is like a uh, half moon and the blue with the stars and all. And that's why I chose to put it on the second book. And um, it... I, I love it every day. I just look at that picture, and it just uplifts me. That's all I can say <laughs> to look at that. And um, it, see, she is also the symbol for the femininity because women have been uh, maligned for so many centuries, so many centuries. They have been burned at the stake, and of course men have been too, but primarily so many women have been burned at the stake, and uh, they have been called witches, and they have had so much of their ability taken away from them, like they knew about the herbs and things and the, the medicines, but that was taken away from them. And it should be coming back now. And this is what I hope through the Magdalene Scrolls, that we will have a renaissance to where women and men can be equal. That the men, as I love men, I do, I've got three sons, and I'm just a And I love men. And um, to have us come together and use our own knowingness and not try to outdo one or the other and that that's um, that, that that's what I would like to see happen in this world now is to where we are equal partners and and, and perhaps that's part of the reason why um, the romance was warranted in the writing of the book because 
we're talking about two very passionate beings. And to love that passionately for a husband and a wife, I mean, they were equals. There was no, he's higher than I and she knows more than I. There was never, um, it was it was the unity of the two that the power really exuded from. And in everything I've learned, it was really, the, you know, they, the blending of them was, was fascinating. And, and we kind of kept that for a while, and I think we're, we're finally come back to it. If we really think about relationships and marriages, not in the sense of the church and not in the sense of what the government believes marriage to be, but in the marriage, the unity of two souls who are in love and connected, when they come together and they begin to share their lives, that's when magic really starts to happen. That's when things start to flow because they can hold each other up. They can power one another. And um, you know, that's the lesson in, in Magdalene and Jesus was that the the unity is needed. You know, I definitely uh agree. Uh, because let's see. My late husband passed in two thousand and one. After something but he was what I call my Mr. Magic. He was the love of my life and I was the love of his life and it's like it took us all of those years him being married to someone else and he had been divorced for over 10 or 12 years before he met me and I was divorced for over a year before I met him and it was like when we came together it was magic and it was like it was what I had been wanting all my adult life so I do understand what you're saying. And it's wonderful to be able to find someone where you can be so honest with each other. And, well, anyway, he, he, and he comes to me from time to time from the other side. So I know he's around. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I agree with you. It's time for the male and the female to come together as a team because, you know, it's like you have an outlet plug for electricity. <laughs> you can't use the plug with <laughs> without the other. <laughs> both, both pieces have to go in there. <clears throat> they do, and it's the same with the garden hose, you know? Yeah. The male well, the I mean, that's... Let's face it, we can't have day without night. There's no good without evil. You know, I hate to break that to people, but it is what it is. Um, no life without death. And if you recognize the duality of our eternal existence, as long as we exist in physicality, there will be a duality that is simply how it is. Then does it not stand to reason that that duality would be highlighted in the relationship between two individuals? And I think part of what is happening now and what has needed to happen for so long is not about so much about women 
stepping into their power because I, I honestly believe that women have known for a long time just how powerful they really are. But for women to allow men to not feel that they have to be in power all the time. And I think that's one of the most important elements of a successful relationship is that I have that relationship that you're talking about. And it took me a long time to get it. I'm in my mid-30s now, and it's going to be my second marriage. And it took me forever to get it. But the two things that that relationship are based on are truth, like barefaced honesty. There's no secrets. And equality, but equality not in the sense that, you know, it's equality in the sense that he knows my strength and that he also knows that he doesn't have to carry me. You know, I agree with you. And it it is a beautiful relationship when we can find someone, whether it's male looking for someone or the female looking for someone, and it's not to just find someone just because you feel like you need someone. <laughs> there are too many divorces in this country to tell you the truth. And it's it's okay to get a divorce. I have no, if it's a bad marriage, okay, separate. But they didn't go into it with the idea that we are two separate individuals. And we need to come together to where we can balance each other. And that's when I think we find the balance in a marriage. And that's beautifully said because that's, you know, that's really been my experience. My first marriage was based on my idea that I was not whole or complete without this other person. And it's not until I stepped into the truth of my own well-being and my own strength and realized that I was a whole person by myself, that I met this man who balances me perfectly. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to be with him. I want to be with him. And I think that's the big difference. It is. That's the big difference. It's something that we want to do. And... um well, it's like my son's father. I married him, and he was a career Marine. And he was gone two-thirds of the time and so, because and he was in Vietnam three times. So I'm the one that raised the sons. I'm the one that took them to the baseball game practice. I'm the one that became the Cub Scout and mother, took them to judo, you know, doing all of these things. And, you know, they are absolutely... Beautiful men. Well, they're not yet really young right now, but they are. And I've got uh, grandchildren, great grandchildren, and uh, they love me. I love them, but they also are doing their lives, and I'm doing my life. And we have a balance in that, knowing that we love each other, but yet we have our own way of living our life. They don't tell me what to do, and I don't tell them what to do. So that's, and I learned a lot from the male by having them that way. And uh, I find that that 
that's perhaps why I married their father. But then after he retired, there was nothing in the, the relationship. And that's when the divorce came about. And it's not that I was just, I disliked him. It's just that there was nothing there. Because there were too many years of being apart. So that is that has a lot to do with why I had the romance in the books Secrets of the Magdalene Scrolls. Because I felt like that Mary Magdalene had a wonderful, beautiful relationship with uh, Jesus. And in retrospect, I wanted each of these two women to have a relationship with a man where it was very loving and very wonderful. So I think she had a little bit to do with what I was writing She usually does. (laughs) But, you know, it it strikes me when we talk about, you know, men and women, and you were talking about, you know, he was gone and you were taking him to the ball game and this and that and the other thing. Regardless of who took you to the ball games and your practices, uh, it's, it's as if men reach adulthood and then must never again admit that the first time they cried in pain on this planet that it was a woman that cradled them and told them it would be okay. Mm-hmm. So the first comfort that they knew here was in the arms of a woman. And it's as if we're supposed to forget that and deny that and not... And I think that's I think that's the, what men keep looking for. And uh, they keep turning around and looking at these younger women, well, they're looking at women that are in childbearing age. They're looking for that for that comfort that, and society in this male-dominated women are horrible position yeah. denies that to them. And uh, it is a horrible injustice. I mean, come on, people. I love the yin-yang symbol. When it's all together like that, it just rolls down the road nice and smooth. But if you take one of those halves out, imagine that thing trying to roll down the road. That would be a bumpy ride. It would be a bumpy ride. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we we have um, a question for you in the chat room. Okay. Um, From our sister and pen friend, Janet Caldwell. Uh, she would like to know why do you think that the romance between Jesus and Mary was left out of the information that we've been given? I would say that has all to do with the church. Um, it was, and this is my perspective, uh, when Constantine brought together a group of men who um, were to put together the books of the Bible and they left out many of them that were probably better written. Um, They wanted to leave out the woman too because they felt like that they were the dominant ones in the world. 
And so women were left out. And uh, then it was uh, the Catholic uh, Pope who is the one that called her a whore, and that was not true, and that was later uh, taken out. And I think that is why many of the things in the Bible were left out, because uh, they felt empowered because they were the male and they were in charge. And uh, I don't know if that's going to be the answer to have or not, but um, well, I, I would tend to agree with you. And and again, taking that one step further, the one woman that they did um, raise above all others really uh, the mother, Mary, the way that they present her is so unattainable for the ordinary, average, everyday woman that they really put themselves in a position that they could get people to believe that this was the goal, really, of femininity. And if you could not attain that, then you were a sinner, and therefore you needed guidance and you needed help. So it it disallowed for women to ever find a sense of self-worth because they were constantly trying to attain that which was just simply impossible to attain, which is perfect purity in physical form. You know, it, it's very, very true, and we know very little about the mother, I mean, from the Bible. We know very little about her, really. And um, one of the things, as I had said before, that when I was going through the pyramids and going to these various villages and towns, and my friends and I, we would go in and look at the black Madonnas, and then so many of them were dedicated to Mary Magdalene, not to the Mother Mary, not to Jesus, but they were dedicated to Mary Magdalene. And so, therefore, it indicates to me that uh, this, why the church allowed this to happen, I don't know, but it happened. And a lot of it, I think, had to do with tonight. I don't think that the church really had a choice in some instances. Um, yeah. I mean, she she was protected. And yes, she, was. she was adored. And it was his wish that she be protected. And so his wishes were on her because that's what they did. And um, there's several countries that you can go to, and if you know what you're looking for, you can recognize, just like you said, that it is, in fact, the Black Madonna and not the Virgin that graces the halls of many of these churches. Um, I mean, there's so many different representations of her around the world and and some of them in places that you simply wouldn't expect them to be yet there she is and some of the great masters of the renaissance age painted her frequently well they did but they painted her as a white woman (laughs) yes well but they did paint her 
because they had to they had to play the game because the church was funding them. It's true. And when the man is feeding you, then you paint it the way the man wants you to paint. Yet the symbolism is still in those paintings. Very true. Very true. To me, it's sort of the, you know, the shared secret. The church knew. The yeah. Renaissance masters knew. You know, the educated, learned back then who could read knew. And it was, and, and it was one of those wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah, she was bad. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I see what you're doing, sort of things. Because you, you couldn't exactly call them on it. They would set you on fire and stuff. Mm-hmm. Nasty that. Well, <clears throat> yeah. Well, all right. Let's, here's one, too. Leonardo da Vinci in the Lord's, um, in, in the big painting of the Last Supper. Yes. And there, there she is facing us, but she's on his right. And it, it looks like she's on the left facing us, but I mean, she was on his right. And many people just thought it was uh, another disciple. They never figured it out that that was uh, his wife, Remagman. And it's now coming out, and people are beginning to accept it more and more. Well, it seems logical that the men who would come forth and be the physical representation of the spirit of life and creation would have a mate because creation is duality. That's right. And quite frankly, nothing else makes sense. That's the only thing that could possibly be a truth is that he had to have a mate. Because you can't represent physicality of and duality, the duality of physicality. And the without, totality. And the totality, exactly, yes. Without both. With, without both. Mm-hmm. Well, you're so true on that, I tell you. <laughs> oh, my. And, and um, no, uh, Give me your address and I'll mail you that what the blank do we know about the Bible? <laughs> That'd be awesome. I would love to have it. I would. Um yeah. that, that that would be fantastic. It's just a little bit, but it has a wealth of information in it. For instance, most people have no idea what the word amen means at the end of a prayer or at the end of a Benediction. <laughs> I found out what it means, and I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> oh, come on! <laughs> yeah. read the book. I have to read the book. <laughs> oh, I have to read a book. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because, fair enough. Um, uh, uh, but this is what I mean. We we don't know what is really in the Bible. It's just words that have been well. When I was in ministerial school. This one um, Bible teacher from the local uh, university came and talked to us, and he said when they were um, translating these books from the the papyrus, 
they would one would scribble something out in the margin, and he said, then the next one that came by to translate again, put that one in there. So it's like these were not necessarily uh, good readers either <laughs> in those days. So we just have a lot of disinformation. We do, but even in our language today, I mean, some of the words that the words that we use, we throw them around, just toss them around like nothing with our language today. If you actually search the root of those words and the original definitions, they sometimes don't even mean anything close to what you think they mean. And one of the words that we talked about recently on the show that is such a great example of this, and I actually... Um, about it is the word awful and the actual definition of awful is almost identical to the definition of awesome because originally it meant full of awe it's true (laughs) and yet we and we toss it around and we say isn't that that's awful i tasted it and it was awful i fell down a leg and i had to it was awful. You know, the way we use it, it, it's dishonoring to the original intent of the word. And if we could just back up a bit and maybe slow down sometimes in our communication and look at the words that we're using, like oh. Rick just wrote in the chat room, dis-ease, disease is this ease, unease, mm-hmm. which yeah. literally means a physical representation of your energetic funkiness. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I mean, yeah, our words are really... The games that language has, has played over the years and that have been played with it, it, it uh, but it, it always amazes me when you can go back to an ancient root and, and, and the word literally has been turned inside out and means the exact opposite of the original intent. And um, uh, it, it's uh, strange how many things that we've managed to get just absolutely backwards. <laughs> oh boy, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, so I mean, a little confusion one can maybe understand, but backwards, 180 degrees, backwards. so many times. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You're such a joy to talk to. I can't wait oh. to to get this book in the mail. Um, now. We should take a quick break because we're quickly coming up on our time. And then when we get you back on after the song, what we'll do is we'll um, tell our podcast listeners because not all of our listeners are live listeners. Um, so we'll tell our podcast listeners exactly how to get hold of you and how to get their hands on these books because these sound like an absolutely fantastic read. And how to actually get to your website because you don't just do the books. And for that reason, we're going to have to have you back on the show. <laughs> because you're so much more, really, than just your books. And I want to hear how we got from the code rooms of the embassy to 
Mary Magdalene books, because that's got to be a yeah. journey in itself right there. Yeah. Oh, that's a story. Being a bit of a Texas boy myself, you know, I, I can understand a little government service and all that kind of good stuff. But So uh, so I'll yeah. make a deal with you. I'll, I'll send you my address and um, another date. <laughs> okay. All right, so we're going to take a pause. Um, quick, quick musical break and a song that I'm sure you'll love. It's um, one of our favorites. Something we play all the time on the show, and and uh, uh, it's our way of saying thank you to that mother energy, yes. to that female energy, and I think you'll really appreciate this one. All right, dear friend Ina B, and her song is called Earth Prayer, uh, based around the whole idea of Ho'oponopono, a ancient Hawaiian like healing that. method, and. Um, She's also doing some great stuff with the proceeds from the song, so uh, we'll put her website up on the archive tonight and in the chat room. It's E-N-A-V-I-E dot com, uh, com, and uh, uh, I encourage everyone to check her out. So this is Enav with Earth Prayer. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
house, our mother's womb, to those above and below us, to the seen and unseen, those who have walked before and after, we ask your assistance to live simply. Please forgive us, for we know not what we do, and we thank you for all your help us. Jesus says, 
judge, not let you be judged. <laughs> you know, and when you pray, go into your closet and going into your closet and going to your mind. You don't need to go out on the street and pray. You're out into a uh, a big organization, you know? Because it's all personal. The, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Yeah. yeah. I, how much clearer did you want him to be, people? It, you know? It's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. I, I, I simply can't understand how it's not clear. Um, but, hey, you know, I mean, he simplified things. He really did because we it's kind of my little joke is that we got given the Ten Commandments and we messed that up. So that's good. Good job on us because those weren't complicated at all. Um, but we messed them up anyways because that thou shall not kill when apparently really stumped a lot of us. <laughs> so he comes back and he says, okay, all right, well, I didn't get it right. So I'm going to give you two. <laughs> love the God of the fellow man. That's two. Two commandments. That's it. That's all you got to do. That's it. And, you know. Oh, But my. it it really is is not that surprising to me in the long run. Anyone that has played that party game where you start a secret around the room and see how it turns out on the other end. And that's only across five minutes. And, and we're looking at stuff that's 2,000 years ago. Many of the stories... Uh, would have different meaning if we understood what it was like to live then. You know, when they talk about oil and when they talk about uh, money and when they talk about cheap and when they, those things meant different things to those people. They were of a whole order of magnitude difference in value and and you just you you, you just can't. That's why you know the kingdom of heaven is within you. It's big in the message, and I'm not any different than you. Don't follow me. Be like me, because you are like me, is that the message inside doesn't, the language doesn't go old. Your heart speaks the same language all the time. It's when you rely on these stories outside that uh, that they'll fall down, you know. Uh, Well, I agree with that. Yeah, we're on the same wavelength. You know, the archaeologists, they dig up three pieces of broken pottery, which, you know, for all we know, somebody could have broke it because they didn't like what was painted on it. But you get three pieces of broken pottery and then tell you the whole civilization story of these people. Well, come on, folks. They, uh, they made that up. Yeah. You know, educated well, guess if you wish, but they made it up. <laughs> they did. Well, I do know that one of the books I've read by an uh, Egyptian um, author was that um, uh, in doing his research is that Jerusalem really wasn't in Palestine. It was closer to um, the uh, place in Arabia where people go to their holy day there. And um, some archaeologists wanted to go and dig up around there. And so what did the Arabs do? They bulldozed everything so that no one can ever know for many, many years what was really buried under there. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, well, it's those in fear who 
therefore wish to collect power, also wish yeah. to destroy anything that might be a threat to that. So, you know, in truth, just what's, you know, what's that? True. Um, we'll, we'll make it untrue. We'll destroy it. We'll blow it up. We'll, you know, can't have gigantic Buddhist statues in the middle of a Muslim country. That would be horrible. So we're going to blow those up. Yeah. That's, it, it's, and, and don't get me wrong, the Christians have done as much or more than the Muslims have ever done, because Christians have been at it longer, uh, of destroying things and destroying civilizations even, societies, simply because they didn't agree. And um, uh, that's always, always got to be fear-based. People control is always fear-based. People trying to control are just scared out of their wits. And, uh, and frankly, that's what the Republicans in Congress are doing. They're afraid that women will take over. <laughs> yeah, right. That's we're going to end up living on the planet of the Amazons or something. And uh, it, not that it would necessarily be horrible, but but it's not what the women that I know want. They just want to be back in balance. And. Um, uh, you know, it was the it's the scared little boy that has been denied the ability to climb back into mom's arms and, and acknowledge the comfort that's there. It's after all this control stuff. That's true. Oh, you know? Yeah. Uh that's why the return of the divine feminine was necessary to get past all this blowing each other up. That's, that's more than anything else to me, that's what's been denied is that that bit of comfort, that bit of solace, that last place to turn. And uh, so where where were men supposed to turn for comfort if if their last place got taken away? You know. Uh, no, I'm but just anyway, it's just me. I have these crazy ideas, you know. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, but no, I am uh, proud of my Secrets of Magdalene Scrolls. Actually, I'm proud of all my books. And um, the next one will be just like part of the bloodline. And uh, that is the one of Magdalena of High Brazil. And um, then I don't think I'll do another trilogy, that will be a trilogy and I um, then I'm starting with a second memoir, not of Paris which was fun and wonderful but this is called um, um, No Regrets A Life Well Lived and I'm going to tell it all And that's going to be a fascinating read. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's some juicy for you right there. And and a great message um, to end the night on is that no regrets. Just no regrets. live your truth. Live your truth. Be who you be. And I send my love to those who have tuned in, and I send my love to the two of you, and I really love talking to you, and thank you. And do send me your address. I will, I, will. I promise. 
we will um, be sending you actually lots of goodies tomorrow after the show is posted on our website. I'll be sending you links and a book and address and all sorts of yummy stuff. So I'll be definitely in touch and I'll I'll send you a date to choose from again so that we can get you back because we have to get you back. Okay. I'd love that. Thank you and awesome. have a wonderful evening. And you too, my dear. Many blessings on more journeying. Yes. Oh, I've got books still within me that I haven't even begun to write yet. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe I'll live to be 101. There you go. Still Why not? Writing. The way I look at it is, as long as I'm still having fun, 101 is just a speed bump. Come on. Um, Absolutely. But look now, at we, our calendar. We, we have, have a week this week. Uh, we, we do, and before we do the calendar, we have a few shout-outs to do. Um, yes. First, we have to shout-out to um, Rosemary. Imagine that, that Rosemary from the Mango Tree Spa was the one who connected us with Betty Johnson. And, um, and I just love her. Rosemary. <laughs> you know, Rosemary, Betty Johnson, who writes the Magdalene books, um, you know, synchronicity at its best, really, and two absolutely lovely personalities. And as you know, we just got back from Costa Rica not too long ago, and if you want to find Rosemary and swim in that energy for a while, you can swing by www.themangotreespa.com, and of course you can find her stuff all over our website. And uh, shout out to your child for um, for being uh, willing and, and um, just enjoyable partnership and, and one of the, one order of, of everyday connection. Cheerleaders, we, you know, who, where would we be without the folks from Inner Child and uh, some of the other folks that have stood by us from the beginning when we didn't know what If you we're, are... If you are an independent author um, and you're looking for a place to publish, uh, you know, Inner Child Press is a great way to go. And if you uh, mention Easy Family, they might even swing you a 5% discount on publishing and advertising fees. So that's one to check out. Absolutely. Stop by the Inner Child Enterprises. You can find them at uh, innerchildpress.com or... They have so many things they're doing. They now have a whole directory page at IamInnerChild.com, which is uh, just awesome stuff they're doing. They never quit. Janet and Bill are the Energizer Bunny Bear. Send me their email, okay? We'll do. We'll do. Sure. We'll do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And then we have... A calendar that I guess we have yeah, to well, talk about. Well, tomorrow evening, normally we uh, we defer to the inner child folks on Wednesday evenings, but you're going to be on someone else's radio show tomorrow. I am. As a guest. Absolutely. It's going to be yeah. all about Gene. And, Wonderful. Um, uh, and then Thursday night, Kathy Kirk, uh, who also has a radio show, is going to come be a guest on our radio show. Yes, and discuss discuss applied spirituality, natural and simple life transformations. Oh, yeah, like there's all this spouty, flouty talk stuff. That's all fine and good, but what about when the rubber meets the road? Applied spirituality. Yeah. How do you apply it to your everyday life and find that everyday connection? 
Oh, imagine that. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> Such a grand segue. So, um, you know, join us, uh, join Jane tomorrow night on uh, Kathleen's show, and uh, join us Thursday night. And until then, okay, to our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves. Well, stay connected. <laughs> Good night, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. to ask the biggest question of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer see jared.com slash price match for details so you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.